So as we come towards the um, closure of the three-month retreat, just to <clears throat> some reflections. Obviously, every day we're, we're asked to consider wisely, and we've been chanting this Dasa Dhamma Sutta, ten reflections to uh, repeat, repeatedly bring to mind again and again. I'm no longer living according to worldly aims and values. My very life is sustained by the gifts of others. <clears throat> should strive to abandon my former habits. These are renditions, not, not exact translations. That last one, I think, is something like that, which I did formally, I am now doing otherwise. You know, So, really, in a sense, we're really trying to change uh, one's mindset and one's behavior. Or at least look at it, review it. Attitudes, assumptions, customs. Mm. Could uh, does regret over my conduct arise in my mind, and could my spiritual companions find fault with my conduct? These are the two reflections for hiriotapa, sense of conscience and concern, yeah, which we just ask ourselves. Yeah, uh, looked at from a long-term perspective. Always in the moment, what one's doing is always <laughs> right, <laughs> or okay, or inevitable, or everybody does that, or so what, or it doesn't really matter, or it's justified or something. And, you know, that's what my mind is like anyway. But then when you look at it in long term, you think, well, you know, if you had to make this public, how would you feel? <laughs> you know, does this, does this stand... Does this look good, or is this something you kind of like to wear and brush off? Put the spotlight on these things. It's to consider the healthy factor rather than guilt and self-aversion. So I think this is one of the tricky bits of this, because a lot of people are going to set a lot of self-criticism and blaming and aversion to their minds, that uh, this hiri otapa, hiri to oneself, or... You know, ultipa means how we're affecting others, how we live. Um, really requires a sense of value, that you do value your own mind, your own aspirations, and you see this is not worthy of me. So that's a nice way of looking at it. This does me no credit, you know. This is not worthy of me. I can be bigger than this. I can. I know I can be petty, mean, <laughs> greedy, grasping. <laughs> Jealous, <laughs> vindictive, <laughs> but uh, on a good day, you know, I'm not bad, so I, I can I can get above that. <laughs> you know, so and then it's just the just saying that that's that's valuable, really, because lots of things happen that does make one rather feel resentful or um, unfair or whatever. But then, you know, which particular voice in the mind we want to make the leader of the mind. Because whatever you make the leader, that sets the pattern, that sets the inclination. Whatever one's mind is led by, that becomes a, a pattern. So your mind starts to always see things in that way. So if you set a pattern of, you know, it's not fair, then you'll start to see everything in that light. Fair, not fair, it's not fair, or whatever. You know. So you start to see all that. Mm. You know, you just wait a minute. Even if it's not fair, can I be bigger than that? Can I say, well, that's you know, if you're not treating me fairly, that's your problem, really. It's not mine. Um, a reflection, anyway. And then, uh, you know, so we look at look at our, our conduct and. Uh, Generally, you know, obviously for the bhikkhus, you've got this code of vinya, but which is incredibly helpful. But it really, the vinya really almost sets sets the benchmark, kind of gives one a, 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 a an encouragement to keep looking, to keep reviewing, because lots of the things we can still have tons of defilements keeping the vinya. 
So it just sets up that thing where you are at least reviewing actions and taking it seriously. Then you look into more subtle actions of the mind. You know, the laziness or callous attitudes towards other people or indifference and, uh, you know, you begin to, once you get a sense of skillful and unskillful, you can sense the unskillful. It's got different energy to it, different feeling to it. You don't want to live with that. And this is an encouragement, isn't it? And also to re- recognize that we can. We can do the good. The very, one of the very simple sayings of the Buddha is, is yeah, I do good. If doing good was to cause you suffering and harm, I wouldn't teach it. But because doing good, doing the good leads to your welfare and benefit, I do teach it. And you can do it. You can do it. You can rise. Mm. When we have to rise against our, our hindrances and our mindsets and our defilements, it's always a struggle. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. You're actually trying to change a pattern, a habit of years or lifetimes, who knows? It's uncomfortable. So you've got to recognize this is, not, this is, this is bound to be a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> you know? That's why there's encouragement, you know, to, to say you'll feel bigger, grander, cooler, more spacious when you've got through this. But definitely there's a process of some struggle here and discomfort, feeling disoriented even. Routines, forms, you know, is this, is this uncomfortable to a degree, I suggest. And also you're going to have some practice where you buy, you've got a place in your mind where you can where you feel comfortable in yourself, you feel respect for yourself, you feel warm hearted, you feel you know, you've got a central axis. So then you've got somewhere you can actually be with that and hold that till it till it changes, till it shifts, till the tsunami moves through or whatever it is. Good spiritual companions, imagine, you know, what we're doing that's why uh, other people could see what we're doing. How would that feel? Or what you said, imagine if that was written down and we looked at it you know, six months later, oh dear, that wasn't so good. And they recognize the sense of spiritual companions are not judges or executioners, but uh, wise advisors. So it's always it's quite good sometimes to recognise if you're not an arahant, then it's likely that we have defilements. It's not shocking, outrageous, you know. So, uh, you know, kind of be a bit upfront about it all. So we got to look at our our stuck places from a slightly more, you know savvy and humorous perspective rather than so being so trying to hide it all you know, okay you know you got, kind of, you know, got my hankerings after this that or the other at least you kind of look at it in a, in a from a spiritual point of view rather than a judgmental point if you like actually just pause and you know i know these these the glow of desire or the sourness that which is undesirable how these things feel and then there's this wave the wave of feeling that comes up with that the push and then can we, okay you know realise you know it always sets up in my mind the feeling of I. it's not a thought it's just a mood there I will be feeling of pleasure, satisfaction, contentment, absorb oh when I get that, you know. I followed that so many times. And generally in you know, in allowable ways. <laughs> and, I, and actually most of the time you get this moment of feeling better than it basically it's pretty much the same <laughs> as it was before. <laughs> 
Yeah, and the things like that, oh no, I can't stand, I can't, oh no, I don't want to do that, I, don't know, I can't stand that, I can't bother with that, no, I don't want to bother with that. That's a thing in my mind, I don't want to bother with all that stuff. I don't want to bother with it. Yeah. And then actually you realize, well, you know, if you just put attention into it, you know, if it, yeah, fine, if it's open up, build attention into it, there's something that can be learned from this, something that can be understood. Uh, you can grow a little bit. Oh, it's funny, a lot of resistance over you know, business meetings, going through items on agendas, and this kind of little nagging voice in my mind, and I'm going to come here to do this, and point, and waste of time, and, 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 and details, why bother all this stuff? You know. But then if you go to a, to a business meeting where people are, Dealing with things in a skillful, calm way, I think this is very admirable. You know, you realise there's a point to it. So I see, you know, attention to detail, calm, reflective. Uh, so I just notice those impulses and energies in in the mind: uh, sourness, unwillingness, lunging forward into something. Well, I've I followed those so many times, and you know, it doesn't get me anywhere really that much different. But when I check them, it does get me somewhere different. <laughs> when I check them, they don't although they don't seem that big a deal. But just checking these smaller pieces, you know, the sloppiness, the uh, can't be bothered, the manipulations, is checking them. I feel actually that does get me somewhere better. More equanimous, peaceful, more rounded out. And it's nice to have people point things out, you know, like, well, it's not nice actually, it's. <laughs> That's how they do it, of course. <laughs> but uh, the results can be useful if you get it in the right way, you're able to handle it in the right way. So it's actually concerned for welfare. So the sense of you know there's something valuable here for us, you know, precious, valuable thing. We don't don't waste the opportunity. We're dying. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise. Yeah, that's one of the most powerful lines in Buddhism. If you really reflect on it, horrifying. Chilling, you know, all that is mine is my friends, my possessions, my body, even my health, my body, my brain, you know, my ability to conceive and think, you know, things that one takes for granted. You know, where's your refuge? So, always good to reflect on death every day, at least once a day. <clears throat> and things one is one is bonded to. What would it be like without my whatever it is, you know? Books on my, my laptop, you know, you get kind of fall in love with the laptop. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know, I thought, you know, the, 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 wow, how the, the addictive these uh, all these things can be. Mm. Actually, without it, they'd be, certainly be uncomfortable for what, how long? And then what? The ripple would die down and something else, you know? Having to leave a place, go away somewhere else, you don't want to be somewhere else. Yeah, uncomfortable. Okay. It's that ripple. Wherever we change from our fixed positions, there's always this shifting disorientation, like changing the lodgings, you know, and getting settled in here. 
Oh, it's a nice group of people being with this. And then why does she have to go? Why does he have to go? He's a really good guy. <laughs> That's what it's like, isn't it? Yeah. And then, yeah, okay. Not to dismiss that, but, yeah. What can it be just to, to that sense of the mind open and um, able to be with that? process of change, comings, goings. Mm-hmm. Even once a little bit of space and silence, how we want to hang on to that, beloved and pleasing. Probably the best thing to hang on to. But even that. Kamasakomi is my karma. That's the main thing we live with, which isn't, it looks like we're living in a place with things and people and duties and actually we're living with our karma, which means uh, it looks like we're all living in the same place, we're here, but we actually notice what, what you notice and what you find, the strong points. Probably other people see things rather differently. What, what we notice is very much you know, our, our karmic dispositions. Mm-hmm. And when you close your eyes, then certainly it's obvious that that's where we're living. And you want to start kind of the continual encouragement to cultivate the skillful in relationship to what's arising. So the first level of that is we cultivate a skillful relationship to what's arising externally. Sights, sounds, touches. And then internally, the future, the past, myself and other people, how those arise and cultivating the skillful with them. Non-aversion, non-attachment, non-fascination, just cultivating the skillful with that. There's a very nice um, <coughs> saying, I think it's in the Sangyutta Nikaya, in the Bojanga Sangyutta, where the Buddha says, uh, um, let me think, I won't get this right, but it's be near enough. Uh, cultivating uh, Yoniso Manisikara, or wise, skillful, penetrative attention to mind states that are skillful or unskillful, blame, blameworthy or blameless, cultivating skillful attention to them is for the support and the development of the enlightenment factor of investigation, Dhamma Vijaya, really investigating this, uh, uh, the properties of things, the qualities, the Dhammas. So interesting, you know, that wise attention towards skillful and unskillful. So, as you get unskillful mind states, you're feeling, you know, worried, and really, no, this is not necessarily morally wrong, but just unskillful. They don't take you anywhere good. Agitation, worry, uh, planning, for example, guilt, um, things like that. So then, wise attention towards these. The first thing is that that your attention should not participate in them. (laughs) That is, if you're, you know, worrying or guilty or doubting or resentful, you don't want to keep adding more to it. You don't want to keep thinking in line with those factors because that's going to implant it deepen it, strengthen it. And we've probably already done that, strengthened those those bases. Same time, you know, we want to actually push it away, which is definitely advisable strategy. Um, you know, just dismiss that, focus on something else. That's an advisable strategy. But it is a, it's a strategy. Um, and we often, sometimes find that these things don't push away. They keep coming back or they need to be really looked at. Why I'm so 
wives who was always worried or guilty or resentful. There's a strong pattern in the mind, or jealous or something. The one who's left out. People can have this experience. Think in a group. Think if you're in a group, wherever you are in the group, you're the odd one. I think everybody probably feels they're the strange one because they're the only Virgo, the only whatever it is, you know. <laughs> so you're the, the odd one out. Everybody else is the same. You're the, everybody's like that. So that we, you know, contemplate that. You get either entitlement, manifestations, like I deserve, it's my right, I'm a monk, I should be like this, I should get, you know, or, or um, unworthy. I'm useless, I'm pathetic, I'm not worthwhile being here, I'm only this, I'm only that. Both of these, of course, are you know, where the proliferation sets in, the strong sense of I am sets in. So you want to curtail that process by actually getting back to this is worry, this is doubt, this is guilt, this is anxiety, whatever it is. Just naming it through all the cascade of thoughts that can build up and intensify that. And back to the basic fundamental quality of the hindrance. You feel this, the push or the pull or the flurry or the fluster, the energy of it, gripping, tightening, vibrating, pushing, welling up, you know, heating you, freezing you, whatever it's doing. It's quite a powerful effect. And uh, so sometimes you can feel them just almost in a bodily sense. Widening, receive that, then breathing through that or being with that. Mm-hmm. And generally the way these uh, hindrances um, you know, f- are fed or sustained, is there are there's, there's the definite there are factors in there which seem to be true. He is, he did, she never does. That's one of them, you know. Or I am. So there's somebody in there. You know, who is this person? You start to kind of check that. It isn't a person. It's maybe one's interpretation of one piece of behavior. So it's really, it's quite a, a small thing. Interpretation of a piece of behavior. That's what it is. You know. And you don't really know who that person is. You just know, I didn't like the way he did that. You know. Or he's always doing that. And you get those kind of things. Actually, isn't, there isn't somebody there doesn't mean nothing's happening, but there isn't somebody there. So it's not to dismiss the whole thing, it's just taking the the solidity out of it, because it's in the solidification where the, 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 the hindrance or the obstacle takes hold, grips the mind, and becomes like a magnet. The magnet, so all your mental energies start forming around that particular solid core. If you dismantle the solidity, even if it's true, he said this yesterday, or she didn't do that when she said she would. Okay, right? That's that's true. That's the end. That's the beginning of it and the end of it. It's like that. It doesn't mean he is or she isn't. It's just that. And okay, so that's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, doesn't everybody? Isn't everybody doing these kinds of things? You know, so it just takes this solidity out of it. Sometimes that's just all that's that's all that's needed. You, know, you have to dismantle the assumption. Things we have to do. So this is one of my uh, most treasured defilements. Um, so I always go to many things I have to do. I can certainly justify that. Agendas, minutes, projects, tra- tra- travel, yada yada yada, something like that. Yeah, 
the energy push 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 pressure pressure push 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 rush push pressure 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 push push rush <laughs> you know where are these things that you have to do not to say you know that there's absolutely no foundation at all everyone isn't completely insane everything's got some truth in it but what happens if you didn't do that uncomfortable then things change okay what happens if you do do it uncomfortable then things change okay <laughs> what's the difference <laughs> you know and then which is giving you some sense of um, understanding relief release why don't we change it now rather than, well, once we get this thing done, then things will be okay. It's starting to work on fundamental patterns. Because once your mind gets set into the things have to be done mode, then one sees all the things that have to be done. That's why it's always, uh, you know, I go to other people's monasteries, and oh, great, nothing to do here. Really so, so relaxed and so peaceful, there's nothing to do. When all these monks are running around doing things all the time, there's nothing needs to be done, that's fine, that's perfect, that's okay. Why is people so busy here? They come to my monastery and I'm running around. <laughs> Why is that? You know, and they say, oh, it must be so nice living at Chitta, spacious, quiet, nothing much to do here. He must be joking. They've got to write, sort this out, figure that, plan it, you know. And yet, you know, so I used to go, in, go into the forest. So I used to go into the forest years ago, go into the forest retreat. I look around the forest and think, oh, that tree, that tree guard's fallen down. I'm going to fix that tree guard. Oh, there's, hey, there's brambles growing all over. Gonna, uh, brambles are growing over this area. They're going to choke that tree. Brambles here. Oh, look at that. Better get rid of that. It'd be really nice if they just took those, that glade out there there'd be open space there more light coming in we do that and, and uh, a cootie over there would be good and that path's getting overgrown there's another tree guard I've got to get out of this forest it's too busy <laughs> you know so for a while I didn't go into the forest because every time I go in the forest I start seeing all the things that need to be done and I better go and sit in the office where it's quiet <laughs> actually in the office because I, I can't so much stuff I can't understand in the office I go there I can't think nothing to be done because my mind can't pick anything up because I don't know don't understand all these things look at these bits of paper nothing happens get out in the forest I can see all the things that need to be done so it's sometimes more peaceful just sit in the office <laughs> look at the, you know. so where's that you know you start to kind of come into the there's the un- discomfort of looking around and seeing things that need to be done, should be done, it'd be terrible if they don't get done, and realizing if you drop dead tonight, the world will go on with the things being done and not done <laughs> as it was before. <laughs> it's not to encourage uh, laziness, irresponsibility, but just, uh, you know, start to check the the form one's mind is taking whatever one thinks about and ponders on that will become the inclination of one's mind that will become the mindset that will be that's your karma that's that's your one's inheritance it's right there Days and nights are relentlessly passing. How well am I spending my time? And that's how, you know, people are just uh, 
occupied a whole lifetime. Getting, doing what? See, even on a retreat, you might get maybe, I suppose, even if you're in the forest, what, eight, nine hours meditation a day, maybe? It's probably quite a, quite a good crack, that. Ten hours, quite a good crack. Out of 24. Okay, so you get maybe six hours sleep, five hours sleep. What's the rest of it done? It's amazing how it goes, isn't it? You know, having a wash, cleaning your teeth, sorting things out, tidying up, going for the meal, putting things away, picking things up. And this is, this is when you're really focused as well, you can still spend at least half the time just doing the logistics when one's living a renunciate life. So you want to make it so that uh, one's reflective around uh, logistics, aims and purposes. Generally it means uh, you know, more simple, perhaps less comfortable, but you've got more space in the mind, making the mind one's, one's aim, one's refuge. That's what's going to go with us. And then, uh, you know, realizing that things we take for granted, like having a body that can sit upright, not being, you know, when you get a flu or something, which isn't major disaster, still it definitely, you know, knocks you out. How long are we going to be free from disease or able to sit upright and have a fairly clear mind and be able to breathe in and out without tubes or equipment, be able to walk up and down. And yet, uh, you know, this wonderful advantage we have is what our day and age provides us with, a reasonable expectation of 70 years or so of fairly good health. I think, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, it had been 40. So that was wonderful. What do people do with their time? Bored, fed up, do something else, go here, go there. You know. Amazing things people do. Restlessness. So we feel the energy of uh, restlessness or just wanting to annihilate, just sink out, sink into something, be absorbed into something, veg out <laughs> into something, you know, or rest, restlessness, these kind of forms. Say, well, okay, you know, can we wisely attend to these? The hunger to just absorb into something easy, you know. Around, read a few magazines, nothing really evil, just, you know, pass the time. Easy, cushion, fair enough. Mm -hmm. How to contemplate this without getting uh, kind of fanatical about it. Just contemplate. There was ability just to whatever, just step back and contemplate the mindset, the mind state. Very simply, not blaming, critical, you know, but just where's this, where's this going to go to? How's this going? What kind of shape does it get my mind in? Most, most, um, Vegetable occupations <laughs> leave leave my mind in a kind of you know just a blurred, soggy state. You know, not crisp or sharp, but just bemused. Mm. Yeah, bemused. Not present, and that's kind of why one does it. Really, just to get off the edge of being 
present. So, so it's all up to us all to, you know, find what we can manage. Sometimes, in fact, vegging out is probably better than going crazy. You know, but uh, you want to keep keep your eye on that one. Restlessness, the other other side of it. And meeting these is always uncomfortable, disorienting. You know, go back to Kuti at the end of the day and it's maybe 9.30 or so. Well, I'm not actually tired. I'm sit there for a while. Perhaps do a few stretches. Sit there in that sense of, well, you know. There's the old pillow right there. <laughs> Why not just snuff it out for the day, you know? <laughs> After all, see here, I can sit here for another 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so, half an hour. But, wow, I'll just call it a day. That attitude, it's not evil, is it? But it's that sense of these are the places where you want to just sharpen up. A sense of pointless, why bother? doesn't really matter, you know. Ten minutes isn't going to make much difference. Of course it doesn't. The shape of the mind is what makes difference. So if the shape of the mind is just still embedded in space and time, it's never going to realize Nibbana. You have something that doesn't matter. Three minutes doesn't matter. Ten minutes doesn't matter. Because you're only really meeting the moment. The moment where time gets created, the moment of impatience, the moment of indifference, that's what you're meeting. It creates the appearance of time. Too much time, not enough time. Wasting time, no time. Too, you know, too little time, too much time. That is, there's no time, apart from what one's mind state is generating. So we look into where, where does that come from? Hmm. Do we delight in sunyagare, the empty places, places where one isn't filled up? Hmm. Obviously, you know, we go to a simple kuti or room, nothing much in it. Mm. You know, feeling that the delight that comes from uh, the mind is bright. It's its own dwelling. You can also look at this in terms of um, not being preoccupied, one's mind preoccupied. And the mind is not full of you know, things to do or be. And uh, again, that can feel edgy, uncomfortable, restless, fidgety sense. Uh, have I cultivated any Uttari Manasadhamma, the kind of uh, absorptions that are not uh, of the ordinary person in the street and insights? Mm-hmm. We have an opportunity, so at least inclining that way. Then this makes the empty mind uh, attractive, because the the energy and is is calm and bright, and the view is clear. Those senses of what we need to be, have, do, become, are all unplugged. The fire has gone out of them. So the empty is 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 uh, it's always a bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but really the point of developing things like uh, absorption is so that you know you've got the, the 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 strength, the ballast, you might say, to just feel that wave of awkward, uncomfortable, not quite what I want. You know, and just it's just a wave in the moment, a panic wave in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right, it just rolls over, it can roll over. If you don't catch it, it doesn't. It's rather like, uh, 
you know, you, you, just, you end getting on top of the wave, the wave carries you along. But if you can stand against it, it just moves through. It's disorienting. But, you know, that's, that's the peace one learns from. Embarrassment, awkwardness. Hmm. Stage fright. The wonderful thing about the Dhamma is you can you can practice it in quite refined uh, circumstances. You know, looking really deeply into the you know in meditation, or you can also practice it less refined, just noticing in a more obvious way. You know, the mind states that come up in terms of coming to the end of a retreat, or some of the people going home. You know. You know, or going forth, or moving on, or wherever it is, mm-hmm. or just at least just coming out of that that particular retreat form into more engaged, active form. What comes up with that? Mm-hmm. The kind of push, the eagerness, or the resistance, the uncertainties, the anxieties. You know, and why is it wisely attending to these? generates the enlightenment factor. Why is the attending to these generates the enlightenment factor of Dhamma Vijaya? Now one of the features of Dhammas, Dhammas are any any mental processes, perceptions, um, it's generally a kind of a, a perception, thought, with a feeling, it's kind of a whole little mental um, Object so it actually has certain qualities to it. There's a feeling associated with it. There's an impression or perception. There's probably some sort of activity that is a push to it, like uh, worries and activity, or excitements and activity, or resentments and activity. Some skillful, unskillful. So these are the dumber. Some are skillful and unskillful, dependent upon the activities that are associated with them. So it is the but what we recognize when you investigate any particular mental object is you can sense the perception and the feeling and you can separate the activity from it. That is, you can feel, you can be with the sense of feeling useless or pointless and without the activity of uh, resentment or guilt or uncertainty. It's just that. It only becomes solid and evocative. It only catches hold when the activity is there, when that volitional stuff is there. So we can find ourselves feeling unable to do something. You know, here I am, I can't tie a knot or I can't. Um, operate a computer, I can't drive a car, or something like that, and you get a kind of flustered, awkward, embarrassed feeling. Just no, it's just that. It doesn't have to be that activity. It's just the acceptance or the being present with that. I don't know the chanting, you know. It's that, and of course, so the activity is very much the sense in which I become that, and the suffering occurs. So we can hold these, if you hold a Dhamma properly, the perception, feeling, you know, worthless or useless, and then it's just that. It doesn't have to be uh, uh, trying to change it or fix it. So normally our activities get very busy because we we have a perception arises about ourselves or others, or about the future, or about the past, and then these activities start piling in. That is, agitation, uh, defense, uh, denial, uh, fascination, uh, worry, uh, blaming, uh, justification. uh, You know, all that stuff starts piling in on top of it. 
And then we another set comes in saying, I don't want to notice all this. So stop it, change it, make it go away. So you get and another set comes in. <laughs> so the activities just keep piling in more and more and more. And uh, you know, if that process is going on, then you've really got to take stock and really deliberately change what your mind is taking as an object. Think about something differently. Definitely counteract it. If you can, even just per- perceive the perce- feeling, uh, perceive that, the, that impression as just that, without the activities, or lessening the activities, or eliminating the activities, you begin to see it doesn't matter, you know. So an arahant or a life is called a person of nothing. A person who has no possessions. A person of nothing. They don't have a perception of themselves as being anything. A person of nothing. Not important. Not unimportant. Not an expert. Not an idiot. That doesn't occur. I think most of us would sooner see ourselves as experts than idiots. <laughs> or at least, you know, useful, progressive person rather than, you know, feeble, pathetic, can't do anything. You know, I sooner see myself as having some purpose, useful, um, helpful to other people. That to me is much more agreeable than. Useless, doesn't really matter whether he's here or not, waste of time, you know. So you look at that, actually, but anything, even that, you know, what's the. Some of the life is a possibility to be named, unnamed. That's the style. That's the standard. I was really impressed with the, um, the latest little book of Tanajan Mahabur's, um very brief biography and pictures and a couple of his talks. And he always referred to him as Lungda, which is a slightly um, kind of um, endearing, but uh, not not important. He means something like Gramps, you know granddad rather than the master or the illuminated 15th incarnation of something or the other <laughs> you know it's not the 14th 15th incarnation of the diamond vajra holder of the, this lineage <laughs> it's just lungta which means sort of like doesn't even mean grandfather it means like granddad or gramps you know slightly and there's the book and the book was just called summoner Samana means, you know, everybody's recluse. It just means somebody's gone forth. Not the life and times of the wonderful, you know, Arahant of Thailand, but just Samana. I thought that was really, that, I thought that was very, very good. Yeah. It's just a simple title. Samana, a gone forth person. That's all. That's all you need to know. Yeah. And the rest of it, you, you know, yeah, I thought that was admirable. Really. Just someone who, you know, kept to the Buddha's training, rose bowl, the rest of it. Or the hullabaloo, you know. Not trying to be important. This is a reflection. More useful to see it that way. So it's really ordinary. And these uh, these uh, sankharas, these formations, are like like terrible drugs, intoxicators and depressives and mood adjusters and sleepers. You know, like barbiturates and cocaine and all that kind of stuff. You get some of them just numb you out. <laughs> some of them buzz you up. 
some of them are psychedelic. <laughs> and you kind of get hooked on having something, you know, the mind needs something to lean on. You know, it's horrible. And then just what it's just hold, holding that, that sense of upadana, leaning on an impression, good, bad, neutral. Just see what one is leaning on. So that sense of vidya and dhamma vijaya investigation and exploring, just actually coming to the bit that we need to get to. You know, so the mind can create a huge world system. Where's the gravity? Where's the pull? Where's the leader? Where's the thing that's really holding it together? Is it one's dull mental state or is it aversion to that or is it you know inattention what where's where's it where's it holding that's what we look for and then using the skills of meditation skills we learn how to find a, a, an axis a center point stability somewhere and then widening investigating contemplating the mind Where's, it, where's the holding in this? And it's it's a sense of, you know, being with the that wave of disorientation where you can't, self is trying to form. You can't quite get it. It's going to pushing into forming something. And then widening, widening one's attention, evening one's attention because the attention always tends to... to um, twist, it means it tends to intensify around particular objects, it tends to tunnel onto particular perceptions, it tends to narrow and tunnel in on particular themes so you're just widening that and what is this to me what really is this to me and we don't, we don't have to fix it or change it but just to keep that openness, let things move by themselves, that's part of it because if they were true and real, then indeed, why not support them? All you want to know is whether they're true or not, not what to do about them. Once they're seen as for what they are, they have the nature to cease, to move and change and cease. They don't just do it in a blink of an eye, but they do, over time, definitely wane and cease and lose their grip. It's our ongoing theme of practice. 